Hello, I'm Roger Bisbee. Welcome to another Skill Builder Chat, where we get an industry expert, somebody interesting from the building industry, and we have a little chat with them and try and dig a little bit, delve a bit into what they're about. So we've got Owen Freeman, and Owen Freeman is billed as the plastic surgeon, which may make you think that he's going to give you a facelift, but apparently it's not you who's going to give a facelift, it's your building, your your house. It is, yeah. So, Can't do anything quite so good with your face these days. <laughs> you, you could branch out my friend um so <laughs> what you're about is chips with everything really isn't it you're 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 going around to people's houses they've had an accident or the builders had an accident it's happened to me a couple of times uh you drop the hammer in the middle of a, a wood floor that you've just laid and you really don't want to take the whole thing up and so you you start looking for somebody clever who can fix yeah, it and you are that- any hard surface <laughs> you can do anything Give us a rundown of what you do do. Any building, you know, we work for pretty much all the major house builders, you know, your Barrett homes. And it's, like I say, any hard surface. Kitchens we do a lot in, bathrooms, tiles, you've said flooring, UPVC repairs where they've uh, been chipped or broken off window ledges or cracks where they've uh, been joined together, anything like that. Do you own your business or is it you work for the company? I work for the company. Uh, there's about 250 others all over the country. So what area do you cover, Owen? I'm in the Lancashire region. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So what's your most popular thing? What do you get most calls about? General house build is massive for us. Right? We do a lot, like I say, with all the major house builders. We normally get called in shortly before the house is sold to uh, just to put those final finishing touches on. You know, This is all the things that us careless builders have damaged in on our walk through the house, if you like. We've dropped a hammer, we've trodden a screw into the floor, we've scratched something, we've chipped something, we've dented something. I suppose... To some extent, uh, not covering things up is a bit of a, uh, a problem, isn't it? And, and that is becoming yeah. more common now. People are using, you know, a lot more Corex and so on to uh, to cover things properly, aren't they? You know, they'll take the protection off at some point because they'll need to do it. They'll be doing a demonstration in the home or something like that. Yeah. So the the prospective buyer will come and have a look, and then they don't put it back on afterwards, and there'll still be painters and tilers, for instance, coming in. Yeah. Uh, you know, something we get a bit is. Um, the tile has been tiled in the shower, and obviously the shower tray is the first thing to go in. Uh, they don't put a protective mat down while they're doing the tiling, so there's scratches from where they've been laying the tiles in the shower. Uh, or they've come in with their muddy boots, they've got stones stuck in the bottom, and yeah. they've ground them into the floor, basically. Yeah, that's so, horrible. Well, so, I mean, if you look, you take something like a shower tray. Uh, I came across a shower tray recently that was cracked around the waist, and the company was saying oh we can repair that and i was going hang on a minute really can you repair it it's, it's got to hold water so is that a sort of thing you do or a, i mean there must come a point where you think look it's going to be cheaper and easier just to replace the shower tray yeah uh, we do do crack shower trays generally these modern shower trays are fairly strong uh, yeah so it, was, it does take a fair bit but it does happen yeah it is something we do and we offer a, a guarantee with all our repairs anyway so fairly so, confident that it'll work if we take something like so we're going to take a resin car shower tray which has got an acrylic top and yeah. so the tile has dropped a tile and sod floor it's landed on the corner of the tile and it always does a, it always yeah <laughs> and it makes a divot out of out, you know a little chip in the the shower tray and that shower tray is white, hopefully, because, you know, most shower trays are these days, aren't they? So Pretty much, yeah. Does that make life harder for you? Because I've heard that white is the hardest colour to match. It can be difficult. It's something that we do do, you know, you, you fill it with your 
two-part filler, make it nice and strong. We have special coatings that we use that are really damn strong. We use a spray gear to put it on. Okay. We've got spray guns and things like that. Basically, it's coated, right? So you start with a two-pack, which would be something like a car body filler, that type of idea, and, and acrylic, yeah? Yeah, As yeah, opposed, to, as opposed to a grass fibre, it's an acrylic, is it? We have our industry secrets that we like to keep, but... Oh, okay. Yeah. So you're not going to tell us anything, basically. You're not going to tell I, me I, how I can't tell you what it's made out of. <laughs> you're not even going to tell me how to repair a shower tape here, are you? you to be fair, uh, our coatings and stuff, I don't know what they are. They're mm -hmm. a very closely guarded secret. Fair enough. Uh, okay. But they set really fast, basically, yeah? We use heat guns and stuff to speed it up, uh, but they're touch driving in a while, but we say don't use the, if it's a shower, for instance. Would say not to use it for a couple of days just to give it time to fully okay. cure. So yeah. if you want to be standing on it, that's quite a lot of a. Uh, you know, even if yeah. you're the lightest person, it's still quite a lot of weight to be on that one. It's not yeah. 100% cured. Yeah. Basically, you're spraying it over the top of whatever you've used to repair it, and you're doing a spray job. And yeah. when you do that spray job, you've obviously got to mix different colours together. Yeah. I guess you don't have a spectrometer in the van, do you, to do that? Do you do that no, no. by eye? It's all done by eye, yeah. Uh, we have tinters and we have base colours in the van and then tinters yeah. to get it to whatever yeah. colour it is it needs to be. Obviously, and, with and, white, and you don't need much tinter. It depends on light, doesn't it? Because I know that yeah. bathroom yeah. suites, for example, I, I've fitted many bathroom suites and you, you get a bath from one manufacturer, so that's a, a, a GRP bath or whatever, you know, it's an acrylic bath. Yeah, yeah. Right, so we've got a bath coming from one manufacturer, we've got a basin coming from another manufacturer. Hopefully the WC is also coming from that sanitary wear manufacturer. But I've had these things delivered, and if you leave them outside and the customer sees it, they can sometimes, because of the sunlight, because of the daylight, they can see a shade variation in yeah. the whites. Once you bring it indoors, they never, ever see it. But if they see it, if it's on the lawn, say you've just had it delivered, the, the courier's put it down, and you're just going to bring it in, and the customer sees it, has a look at it, and goes, oh, that's, that doesn't match. That white bath doesn't match that basin. And then they can never unsee it. So I always yeah, whip it in problem, as fast yeah. as I possibly can before they get the idea that these colours don't match. Because indoors, under artificial light, it, it's a lot more forgiving, isn't it? In that it is, yeah. 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 Uh, we have had people in the past where you've come in to repair something, and like you say, you do it to the light conditions that are, it's going to be subject to, but then they'll come in with a, a thousand lumen torch yeah. and start inspecting it, and then obviously it does look a little bit different because yeah. that's not light that this particular thing is used to. Yeah. Uh, but no, it's all done by eye. So. so do you have special lights that you set up when you start working? I mean, because I would imagine that a lot of light is a good thing for you because you can see any variation. It's best to do the repair in the light that the item is going to be in. So oh, right. okay. if it's a bathroom, we'll just repair it to the light that the down lights, because that's obviously not oh, okay. the bathroom. All right. If we change the light, like you, know, you said, light does make a huge difference, spray it up, and then we take our light away, it could look a little bit different. Got it. So okay. we do it yeah. to whatever the, the yeah. light is there at the time. Yeah. So it's all in the eye. So when you go and you apply for this job and they took you, uh, presumably they put you on a training course, yeah? Yes, yeah, yeah. At that point, they've got to decide whether you're the kind of person who's going to make, who's going to become good at this job or not. And I suppose some people just don't have a natural ability to see colours and so on. Is that right? I mean... Well, in your interview process, you do do a quick um, a colourblind test just so they can okay. be sure that you can actually see all the colours. Uh, yeah, yeah. If you can't see all the colours, that's got to become a problem yeah. quite quickly. Uh, particularly with some of the funky colours that some of these kitchens and things are these days, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, 
you've got to be careful. Some people will just never be able to get right. I mean, if my wife asked me about colours, for example, I'd just say, look, you you decide, you, you sort it out. I'm not really interested in whether these things match up or not. But having said that, I did go on a course once um, to do with photography, actually, and uh, it was about colour. And, and the guy was absolutely fascinating. And he, he put up all these slides in front of us and he said, okay, what's this colour? And we would always say green or something. Then he put up another slide beside it and he said, what's this colour? And we said, it's blue. And he said, well, that's actually the same colour. All he'd done is put another colour beside it and it tricks your eye into thinking it's a different colour. And it's quite amazing. I mean, I learned a load and he actually said, women see colours differently to men physiologically this is not yes, not yeah, a subjective yeah. thing he said it's actually a physiological thing that that they see colors differently he said and also different nationalities see colors differently so when we look at some some countries and we think well they, lo they love really garish colors why are they painting their house some fluorescent color and actually for them they're seeing the colors in a different way to us so they don't look so garish no i've heard similar stories i think there's some languages where obviously we have the color pink yeah. Other languages, it's just light red because that is effectively what it is. Um, it's just red with a bit of white in it. And I think there's somewhere, I think, I can't remember if it's Japan or not, the blue and green are the same colour. They have the same word for both really? of the colours. Isn't that amazing? Because they just perceive them as shades of the same colour. Yeah, yeah. I've been told that you the only reason you think grass is green is because you've been told it's green. So there's a whole <laughs> thing going on there, you know. So it is quite, it's a quite bit philosophical. That. I want to talk to you about materials. You obviously uh, you get scratched glass as well. I, I guess that's one of those things that that happens quite a lot. Does it? That is just a case of polishing, really. When you say it's, it's really just a case of polishing, I reckon that's pretty hard to polish a piece of glass. Is it? Is it a lot easier than I think, or not? It depends what you think we do, to be honest. Um, well, it's relatively straightforward. It's just a process that you have to go through. Uh, you start with a, depending on how deep the scratch is, some scratches you can't polish out. That's, that's what I'm wondering. Matter of it. You can't get everything out. It's just not yeah. possible. Uh, but it's just a case of, in the same way you would polish a car, you start on something coarse and you end up yeah. with something finer. Yeah. Um, so you're just, you're, you're using paste basically and you're rubbing it. Do you do that by hand or do you do that with a power tool? Uh, we've got machine polishes that we use. Yeah, um, yeah. You, st you start actually with what is effectively like a sandpaper. And oh, really? Polished window, and then you make your way through the grades. Yeah. And then the last thing you do is apply a paste to bring the clearness back, because otherwise it'll look all frosted. Is it hard glass, or is it relatively soft in the in the sort of spectrum of materials? It's quite hard. Heat is the problem with glass. If you're not careful, you can start to bow it, and then you get that sort of fisheye ripple wow. effect in the glass. Uh, oh. That's the thing you've got to be careful of with polishing glass. If you stay in one spot too long, you'll have like a, wow. a circle that when you see it, it'll distort. I know, yeah. Whatever's yeah. on the other side. Yeah. So you've you got to make sure that you keep it that's, moving. That's glass. You can do shower trays, you can do basins, worktops. Now, if you've got a worktop, for example, a laminate, plastic laminate worktop, and somebody puts a hot pan down on it, that's not just a mark. That's a whole blister there, isn't it? Would you yes. then. But advise them to take the worktop out or what? No, we do quite a lot of burnt worktop repairs. We work a lot in the insurance sector as well, so we get a yeah. lot of their, their referrals where, you know, particularly if it's an, an expensive laminate worktop or it's going to be an expensive job to take it out because see the, the sinks in it and the hobs, so they have to take all that out and it's you know requires three different trays to come in yeah. to sort all that out. Um, but no, we do a lot of them. Uh, the 
the quick way, well, the quick explanation anyway is we would dremel out the area of damage, so yeah. take all that blistering out completely, and then we have tinters that we can use in our filler. So say for say when it's a sort of a black granite effect, we're yeah. top, uh, fairly common these days. Uh, you you know you tint your filler so it's at least that sort of dark shade. You then skim that in, fill it, sand it back, keep doing that until it's nice and level, nice and smooth, and all the damage is there anymore. We then have a, another system of coatings that we use we use for detailing. So you get your different, if you know, say it's got little white speckles or little yellow yeah. speckles or whatever the, the texture is, yeah, yeah. you usually do them by hand with a brush, oh, okay. dab them in, get the pattern back in, and then we have another coating that you can put over the top that then replicates that sort of gets it back to the right sheen levels whether it's a glossy one or a matte one yeah, or a satin yeah. one so it sounds to me like you're a very busy man it's all about buildings you're not doing cars or anything like that no the company that's where the company started yeah. the origins of plastic surgeon was car repairs uh, oh was it through all right. this was about 20 25 years ago now i believe yeah uh but it's just the company's been steered in this way uh, and we now apply the same basic principles but with different products into the yeah. home sector so what's the most unusual thing you've done is it i know it puts you on the spot but can you <laughs> think of a really unusual thing that somebody's asked you to do or not uh i had to repair an mri machine in uh, leeds hospital once goodness me because obviously they're an expensive piece of kit yeah, yeah. Uh, and the hospital's administrator had seen this big scratch on the side of it and said you know we've paid many hundreds of thousands of pounds for this expensive machine we yeah. wanted to look brand new so it was canon actually uh the people who make cameras they also make mri machines all oh, right uh, okay. they paid for us to come in and uh, just repair that little scratch it's only about this big yeah uh, but you know like i say when you're paying that much you know you want it to be pristine yeah. when it's delivered i think that's that's one of the things actually is that you do in things being delivered carried into the building you get damaged don't you sometimes and and then it's a question of oh i've got to wait another six weeks to get a replacement for this and you know if i can get somebody in like you to do it and they can carry on with the job then it's um it's a lot better isn't it you know than, yeah. than ordering a replacement but i think yeah. one of the problems is that we, we have to weigh like you said if it's three different trades to come in to change a worktop you know maybe the carpenter maybe a plumber maybe a gas bit has got to come in and so on so when you add up all those to get you in to do a quick repair is is probably a, a pretty economical way of doing it isn't it it's, yeah i mean we get some people will go they'll, they'll think of the cost of the item as the only yeah. cost and our repair might cost as much as the item depending on how much the item was yeah, well, that's what I'm they thinking. They don't take into account all the other things. You know, you've got to pay for a day's work for all these other people. Yeah. And it soon, you know, racks up to, you know, three, four times the price. Yeah. What about ceramic tiles? Because that's one of those ones I've done, made a, you know, a couple of times, a bit of a nightmare situation. I drilled for a wall once and uh, the wall wasn't as thick as I thought it was. And I came <laughs> through, I came through on next door. It was only a four inch wall and I came through on next door's bathroom, put a chip in the tile and, uh, and then they wanted the whole bathroom retiled and so on. So that was one of those situations where I had to go and get one of you guys out to, to do a ceramic tile repair. But it, it's tricky, that, because you, you're dealing with the person next door who's not your customer. And you say to them, I'm not going to retile your bathroom. We'll just get this repaired. And they're going, well, it better be a good repair. And that's where it starts to, you know, they're looking with a magnifying glass to try and see if, they can see it but luckily they couldn't in my particular case but 
ceramic tiles, I guess, is a, a major job for you, is it? Yeah, we do a lot of ceramic tiles. Again, uh, quite a lot in the house build where they fit in the shower and they just tighten that shower screen up ever slightly too much and it's crap the tile. Obviously, then to replace that tether, I take all the shower screen out, chop yeah. that tile out, replace it, and put the shower screen back up. With no guarantees, they won't crack it when they put it back in again. Yeah. So if we can repair it without them doing that, then that's great. Yeah. The thing with tiles is obviously they come in all sorts of shapes and styles and patterns and yeah. all sorts of stuff. It's the same basic principle as where it's topped. If it's something you know with a marble effect or a texture, yeah, yeah. just do the same basic principle, fill it, put the detail back in. Obviously, if it's a flat colour tile, then you just fill it and then we would spray it with, we've got a ceramic coating that we use. Yeah, um, yeah. We would just match that colour and then spray either that full tile or blend it out depending if it's a huge you know maybe a, a yeah. 600 by 300 tile or something like that chips in enamel baths in cast iron baths say enameled and, and they've got a chip in it they've dropped something in it you would could you repair that yeah absolutely i uh, do a lot of those as well uh, and now that's again less popular obviously because acrylic seems to be the thing that yeah most people buy because obviously it's much cheaper much lighter and easier to fit etc yeah but uh, so, many old, so many old ones if you're looking at one of these really plush hotels where they've got these lovely old bars, you know, that, that kind of place, you know, it would cost a fortune, wouldn't it, to get a, a cast iron bar? Absolutely, yeah. No, we do a lot. Uh, we also get a lot of, um, I think like particularly through insurance, where the bath has been fitted into a bespoke vanity unit and it is an old bath. So the bath, you can't replace the bath, it just doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, so that, yeah. if for the insurance, that would mean you'd have to remake this entire vanity unit retile it if it's a tile like all that sort of stuff whereas if we can come in and just repair that it's usually it can be something fairly minor uh, there was one that we went to not so long back where uh, someone's grandson was playing with a they had a statue on the window above the bath yeah. and he was messing around and he knocked the statue off and it fell into the bath yeah. and it was a heavy like marble statue and it put an almighty oh, dip wow. on about this big in you know, a cast iron bath so that's yeah. fairly impressive yeah. And you did it. Yeah. yeah. Sorted. Took, took a full day, but it was done. I do um I do wonder sometimes with people. I mean, obviously you see all this stuff and you just think, My goodness, you know, but uh, I, people put beach stones. They go to the beach and they get some really nice looking beach stone and they think, Oh, that'd look nice on my bathroom shelf above my basin. And they don't think they're not thinking, so what happens when Little Jimmy comes in and reaches up there and knocks the beach stone off into the basin. They don't think like that. They just think, oh, that's a nice-looking ornament. I put The only thing I'd ever put above a basin is a toothbrush and a sponge. You know, anything heavy, keep away from it. But it, it is incredible, isn't it, how yeah. people don't think. They don't see an accident. You know, I'm always sort yeah. of seeing accidents before they occur in that but We see things like um, they'll have the... Uh, the mirrored cabinet or something like that above the sink and it'll have all their aftershave yeah. and things like that in it. And some of these aftershave bottles can be quite big and quite heavy, especially when they're full. Yeah. And yeah. I've seen where they've fallen out and they've hit the edge of the sink and they've just taken the edge of the sink yeah. clean off. Really? And we've had to come in to repair stuff like that. And just hopefully they kept that piece because you stick it back in, do you, or what? It depends. Sometimes we will do. Sometimes that piece is... You know, if it lands and then smashes into even more pieces, yeah, you spend yeah. as much time putting that jigsaw back together as you would just <laughs> reprofiling the uh, the edge of the sink anyway. So I love, that. I, I love that idea of coming in and somebody smashed the smithereens <laughs> and you're spending hours and hours like some archaeologist piecing it all back together again. That's a 
That's cool. I have seen one of my colleagues before. Uh, I think that was another insurance job where uh, this customer had a, an old, I think it was a Victorian toilet in his, uh, in his flat and the system lid had been taken off, I think by a plumber actually, and had fallen and had smashed into several pieces. Obviously the, the system lid was matched to the toilet and it, yeah, uh, and you can't replace it, so it had to. It was in about I think six or seven different pieces, and it had yeah. to be glued all back together, then re you know all the cracks dremeled out and put back together yeah. and recoated it again. I've noticed you referred to dremeling a couple of times. Is that your go-to tool in these situations, or do you use a multi-tool as well? Use something a bit bigger than that, or is it always dremel? Pretty much with the Dremel, all you tend to be doing is, because if it's a crack or a chip, the edges tend to be fairly upright. We need yeah. them to be, we call it veeing out. They tend need to be just a bit smoother so that we yeah. can get the filler in and profile it down properly. Yeah, so yeah. I've always got my Dremels fairly close by because you never know when you'll need it. <laughs> no, you're right. I mean, when we do cracks in walls, for example, you know, you, you wouldn't just try and fill it. You always go back a bit, rake it out like the same way. Yeah. So that you've got something to get into there. Exactly, right? same principle. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Sounds like the same game, but it sounds like you're you're at that fine detail, and it's all about you know attention to detail and patience. I guess is the other thing, and not not rushing into it, trying to get it done too quickly, but just uh, take your time to yeah. get it get it right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Some of the stuff, some of the stuff you get second nature that you can just sort of do them without thinking. We do a lot of. Your internal doors, uh, like you say, you were talking about lead times earlier. Uh, yeah, a house build things, the doors get chipped with people carrying their tools past and yeah, know, it might be. So it's easier and cheaper for the company to get us to come in and just fix maybe ten doors in that day. Okay, the doors aren't very expensive, but you have to wait six weeks for the new one. Yeah, and if we can do all those in one day, that's it. Just makes it more economical. And you are talking about pre-finished hardwood doors these days aren't you whereas before yeah. you know, they were all painted softwood you could always fill those you could always give it a, a coat of paint but now when you're looking at hardwood doors you know some quite nice looking oak doors or whatever you've got a scratch on one of those you really don't want to be changing that one out so so that's uh, yeah that's yeah kind of thing. yeah I do a lot of fire doors on commercial sites as yeah, well for the same yeah. reason they're expensive doors yeah and very heavy um, yeah, no, well, that's, that's brilliant. I mean, you you obviously enjoy the job, do you? you, you Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Every day is different. Well, I was going to say, every day is a challenge for you. Every day is something different, and um, and you never know where it's going to go, do you? Where you're going to finish up? No, no, it can be all over the place. Like you say, you could, you know, in a hospital, an expensive machine, or uh, in somebody's house putting some architectural feature back together again so, <laughs> exactly. yeah, so if anybody wants to get hold of you or one of your colleagues details on our uh, screen uh, how many of you did you say there were what, now 200 uh, between 200 and 250 which yeah. is all the time i can never keep up with it brilliant yeah thanks very much for coming and talking to us owen <laughs> and um, i'm sure people will be interested in your services and uh, your phone will be ringing hopefully thank you very much thank you <laughs>